All right, happy late Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. It is the month of May. We should be heading out to a racetrack. We should have enjoyed the Grand Prix over the weekend, but again, uh, life will continue on for everybody, and hopefully everybody's taking care out there, doing what they got to do to stay safe. We'll be back at a racetrack soon. Um, looking forward to NASCAR this weekend. Going to go green at Darlington. And Darlington is normally a really good race, uh, so there's going to be some beating and banging. So be ready to uh, crank it up uh, when when NASCAR and Fox says crank it up because with the uh, the echo and the ricochet off the bleachers, uh, it's going to be a loud race on TV. So looking forward to see how it'll look. Um, again, Sunday night and on Wednesday night, you'll have NASCAR. So that'll be fun. IndyCar is heading to Texas on June 6th. Shout out to Eddie Gossage and everybody at Texas Motor Speedway for putting this race on. Without any fans, I'm sure there'll be a loss and in, in money involved. Hopefully IndyCar lower the sanctioning fee and maybe give them a second race next year um, or something along those lines. So uh, glad racing is getting back. I know we've, we've watched these virtual races. They've been fun. They've been you know entertaining for the most part. Um, but, yeah, it'll be nice to see some actual real racing going on this weekend. Looking forward to that. As always, we want to thank our sponsor, Flooring is Forever. Uh, our good friend Harley at Flooring is Forever. Looking for durable, high-quality flooring with a lifetime warranty. Then 100% kid-proof, pet-proof, and waterproof core tech flooring is the way to go. Beautiful options from wood to tile looks. Built-in cork backing creates an extra layer of insulation for more comfort. Easy to clean and will not stain. Flooring is Forever. Dot com. Follow them on Twitter or give them a call at 317-755-1246. They've been busy lately. A lot of people sitting around looking at their homes going, oh, we need to change some things around here. So what a perfect time to do it. Coming up on the this podcast, uh, JMV will join me, the, uh, the host at the old radio station. Uh, looking forward to having him on. We'll talk about, you know, just memories of spending eight years together and getting through where we're at right now. Um, we had the, what was it, episode 7 and 8 of The Last Dance on Sunday night. Kind of forget how good B.J. Armstrong was, didn't we? Um, the whole Jordan thing, the aspect of Jordan uh, going to play baseball out of the out of the love of the game and because of his father, I, I respect that. I remember when it happened. Um, some takeaways from that. I didn't realize that he changed his number back to 23 in the middle of the playoffs against the Orlando Magic. That was um, that was a very interesting story. And, uh, you know, just the whole, you know, the shame of the media to link his dad's murder to gambling, uh, just just tough. Um, but there is hope. I mean, if MJ can beat a gambling addiction, maybe maybe we all can, right? Um, but, again, this, this series has been great. We got a little bit of a tease of what we're going to see with the Pacers. Reggie Miller saying, you know, he's got a chance to take down Michael. Um, he did, but again, it was Michael Jordan, and Michael wasn't going to let that happen, knowing that that was the last season. You could say the Pacers are cursed. I mean, you can make a good argument. You get the prime Bulls in the 90s, and you get to the finals. Finally, you break through in 2000, and you get Kobe and Shaq and the Lakers. Uh, struggled throughout the 2000s, then 2010. Uh, the 2010s, you had really good teams that I thought, for the Pacers could have been capable of making the NBA Finals, yet they run into prime time LeBron James. So uh, maybe the 2020s will be the Pacers. Who knows? Uh, we all know it's 2020 is just not a good year for everybody. It's been the craziest year of my life, uh, dating back to last June. 
but uh, I, I've been enjoying this last dance. What I really enjoy the most, too, is just seeing the old throwback jerseys, uh, the behind-the-scenes of the courts. That Hornets court was badass. The Sonics jerseys. The Bulls warm-up uniforms were just sweet. Uh, it just it just takes me back to being a kid collecting NBA basketball cards as much as I did. Definitely looking forward to seeing how much uh, time they spent on the Pacers coming up in the, in the next two episodes. You know, when they, when they knock off the Pacers and move on to the NBA Finals, there'll be a lot of, you know, what happened after that, what happened next. It was all over for everybody. But, yeah, I mean, and, and you think about those Bulls teams without Jordan. I mean, they were still pretty good. And, you know, the Magic were just a little bit better that one year that Jordan came back. And then, obviously, the year that they eliminated Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant, and B.J. Armstrong, who are all all-stars, which is wild. Um but yeah, again, just hopefully we'll see more stories behind the scenes from players. I like the behind the scenes, the behind the scenes player stories more than I like seeing Sam Smith Smith kind of goggle all over himself. So more more stories. Uh, I've enjoyed B.J. Armstrong, Horace Grant, Steve Kerr. The punching Steve Kerr in the eye story was crazy. But that was Jordan, man. He was a killer, and and he expected the most out of you. And I know Reggie said, you know, I had a chance to eliminate Jordan, but isn't that how you have to think heading into heading into that series, like that you have to have that level of confidence? And he certainly did. Uh, another quick story I wanted to talk about. I know this came out last week, but it was with the Colts. Jim Irsay, Peyton Manning, I know it was in the news again. It seems like this, this article is circulated every six weeks or six months about um, Peyton Manning wants to get in the front office. He wants to own a team. He wants to be a part uh, this almost happened. Uh, JMV and I were talking about this on the on the air. I believe Jim wanted to give part ownership to Peyton and bring him in, and the daughter said, no, we don't want to give him part ownership, or vice versa. I can't remember exactly the story on Jim did and the daughters didn't, or the daughters did and Jim didn't. Uh, don't remember exactly how that went down, but I do remember the weekend of the wild card playoffs. The Colts were out. Of the playoffs, Pagano was gone, um, had gotten word, and I actually tracked the plane. Ursay's plane went to Denver, picked up what I'm assuming was Peyton Manning, flew to Houston. Uh, flew to Houston, the, the Chiefs and the Texans, I believe it was, were playing in that wild card round on ESPN on a Saturday. And they flew down to meet with John Gruden, and it turned out to be somewhat of a package deal. Peyton wanted some, some ownership in the Colts, and he wanted John Gruden to be the head coach, and that's how it was going to be. Obviously, that didn't happen. There was some holdup, whether it was the ownership, whether Gruden didn't want to take the offer. And then that plane flew from Houston, if I'm not mistaken, up to Green Bay, which I'm, I guess dropped off Peyton because Eli was playing the Packers in the playoffs, dropped off Peyton at um, Lambeau for that game. So that was crazy. Um, you know, what I learned, sometimes you you find sources. Sometimes you got to go find them. Sometimes they come to you and they let you know things. And when you got to track some flights for information, man, that's just, that's, that's what made, you know, JMV and I so good. We just, we, we had people that we trusted. We had people that trusted us that told us information. So we'll dive into that um, a little bit as JMV comes on here shortly. But again, I, I do think there was plenty of interest from, from Manning. I think you could still bring him in as a consultant role, 
Look, it seems like Chris Ballard does a great job of allowing everybody in the room to have a voice, and I certainly think he would he would welcome and appreciate the input um, from Peyton Manning on on anything, all aspects of football. So we'll see if Peyton indeed does come to the Colts in any kind of capacity over the next three or four years. Obviously, those competitive juices are back. He wants to be on board, uh, locker room type feel back in it, and you, know, you can't blame him for that, especially when it comes to uh, being retired and possibly moving back to the city that, that, that made him, the city that he's helped out so much here in downtown Indianapolis. So uh, without further ado, again, big thanks to Harley at Flooring Yes Forever. We wa- we welcome in my good buddy and uh, longtime broadcast partner, JMV. All right, here he is. We talked about it earlier in the show. The original, the Polish prince himself, JMV, with us from 1070, the fan, John. Uh, first and foremost, do all of this. How are you and the family doing? Hey, Tony, I'm great. Hey, can you hear this? Let's... Yeah, a little haul, little haul notes. <laughs> Dude. Hey, I'm sitting out here in the car, rocking a little 80s. And in fact, well. I'm in the driveway right now. Everybody's doing okay. Uh, we got, uh, I think, Laney's at that next, but Blake's on the inside. Christy's on the inside, and uh, we're all hanging loose right now. You know, at, at work this morning, they were playing uh, a little um, Falco, and somebody asked me if I knew who this was, and I said, yeah, it's Falco. What, early 80s, 82 or something? And the guy's like, yeah, how'd you know that? And I was like, well, dude, I mean, shit, I spent eight years with JMV. I know, <laughs> I know all these random-ass – you know, songs, yes. that, the one hitters that I never thought I would ever know. So, uh, yeah, that, that kind of worked out. They were talking about you were talking about your B105 Saturday Night Takeover that I know you love doing. Here's what you can tell them, too, man. Falco did the Commissar, and it was um, back in 82. But after the fire did the Commissar in 83 and put the words uh, into English lyrics. And that was really a Falco song. And then Falco did Rock Me Amadeus and Vienna Calling in 1986, Tony Donahue. So you can take that bit of trivia regarding the late, great Falco with you. What did what, you have for lunch today? I have had, I had Belvita. Those, you know, those really crappy kind of cookie looking things, you know. <laughs> I've had two of those. And I had a no energy. Oh, the watermelon flavor beverages right now. I don't know why. Well, you didn't. You didn't prove my my point too well. Of you can remember what happened in the eighties, but you can't really remember oh. what you had for dinner or lunch the night before. <laughs> yeah, so. actually, I have the same thing every day. I will ask you this though, uh, since I know that your your day job, I'm looking for a good watermelon flavored seltzer. Ooh. You guys, you guys from producing watermelon flavor yet well i don't think the watermelon flavor is here yet but i i think it is in the works we do have a uh a tall boy water watermelon rita it's like a margarita in a can you might like but do you really yeah they're wait i get you a case of them i'm all for that they're like the they're the 24 ounce big daddies too i mean we We, we're all over the map with those tall boy cans. We can get you King Cobra or we can get you a watermelon reed. It's really whatever you want in, in between there. I, um, I did some of the, uh, the seltzer that you guys just as a test to see how yep. long it takes me to get drunk that you guys sell, obviously. And I, I got through eight. I mm-hmm. did eight of them. 
and I, I got buzzed pretty good. It's in my backyard. I got buzzed pretty good. Kind of gave me a headache afterwards, but I just kind of oh. want to see how many I could drink uh, until I get buzzed. It took about eight. Well they, well, they go down pretty smooth, and like you say, you know, eight might be a little too much, but they are very high in alcohol content. But like you always say, you want to get there as, qu- as quick as you can, and they'll get you there quick. I wanted to get there because I was in the backyard. I didn't have time to waste. So I downed about eight of them, got there quick, and then got the hell out of Dodge, buddy. So, Well, I did a little prep work, which I know stuns you uh, for this interview. And I just figured it would go wherever we wanted it to go. Um, I think a lot of people are going to want to hear old stories, uh, maybe things that they hadn't heard. So we'll get into that. Um, but from a sports radio aspect, it seems like there's a, a lot of – what that is is a lot of speculation always but here really we just don't know what's going on so how have you been able to pass the time obviously you're one hell of a storyteller there's no live sports to talk about but the nfl draft has been really good the last dance seems like a lot of people are kind of talking about that the next day as it was a real sporting event how how badly are you itching for real on the field on the track sports well and there's no doubt that i, I really want it back bad um and it's not solely just because of what I do and because I love sports, but I think that we all recognize that when sports start to come back and then when they do come back, I think that means the rest of the world is coming back. The rest Mm -hmm. of what we do in normalcy is coming back. And I think that's a good thing for everybody. And I think in this case, I think sports will be kind of the Pied Piper to, okay, if they can come back, then, you know, slowly without fans and then maybe, you know, whatever, that will show that we are making improvements because, I mean, I know for you and for me, it's like what uh, we're sitting here. I don't know when you're going to have this racked and ready to go, but we're sitting here on a Monday. It's 48 degrees here in my driveway. It's cloudy. We're talking mid-May, 48 degrees. This is ridiculous. It's almost like we're destined just to be in the month of March. We've been in the month of March now for three months. Mm-hmm. I'm frankly sick of it. So any, I think any measures we can take to see improvements, um, even if it's the world of sports that's kind of leading the way, I'm all for that. I'm all for the safety. I don't want anybody to get sick. I don't want anybody's health to be compromised. But, you know, if I just think if, if we get back to going to, to sports, uh, that means that we're making strides as far as getting back to normalcy. And, and I, I can't find a person out there that wouldn't want to see any level of that right now. Yeah, and, and we kind of talked about this from the sports world and then from our world, too, on the beer side. This could not have happened at the worst time. You had St. Patrick's Day. You had the NCAA tournament coming to town. The Pacers were destined – to at least have a first-round series in the playoffs. There was so much going on that it just kind of seemed like, man, the timing of it was the absolute worst. Let me ask you this, um, kind of a what-if. Obviously, it's in the past now. More likely to have happened, Butler to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament or the Pacers make it to the Eastern Conference Finals? Um, yeah, well, are you, as, far <laughs> as, as far as teams right now? the Pacers Yeah, right like now? It, if it were to happen. Um, well, I think moving forward, it would probably, yeah, I mean, it still may, it still may be Butler. I mean, we've seen it twice in the past. Maybe it's Butler because again, the NBA is so stacked. Now I will tell you this, Tony, I think that if that does, if the NBA restarts and people are going to put an asterisk next to this, given the fact that most of the season has been cut short and I don't know how you're going to view an NBA title. I wouldn't care if I were a team and I wanted, but anyway, 
whenever they do start, if they do start, to me, this is going to be the biggest proverbial crapshoot of a postseason the NBA has ever seen. I mean, eight versus one in both the Western and the Eastern Conference because we have no idea how these guys are going to come back, how quickly mm-hmm. it's going to take some, how, how quickly it's going to take others to get acclimated and, and play well early, how long it may take some. And then, to me, you know, who actually kept up with their business, you know, yep. keeping in shape, who backed away from it. I mean, all this stuff, to me, normally we go into a postseason, you kind of know that one's going to be just – crap tons better than the than the eight and you know that but i just you don't know and for the pacers like people have argued with me hey i know vic needed game time minutes and this is really going to hurt him but i would have to disagree because vic's going at it in orlando hard ass right now and you know what everybody else hasn't played for a couple of months now too so to me everybody's going to be starting out on the level of Oladipo. It is just going to be who is able to press that level forward quicker than the other. To me, I I don't know if there's been a a bigger chance, circumstance, crapshoot of a postseason if the NBA fires up, you know, a 16-teamer out west and and east uh, with this postseason model that they kind of have in mind here. To me, I find that interesting. Um, Others around the NBA suggest that, uh, it just wouldn't be real. Just go ahead and bag the season. But I'd kind of see – I'd like to see how that worked out. Maybe LeBron James and the Lakers wouldn't be the favorite. Maybe I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo didn't have a damn goal at his house. <laughs> I mean, he didn't have a – he didn't, like, shoot on a goal for a month. I mean, I mean, at least luckily for him, he's seven feet tall and can jump out of the gym and is incredibly athletic and talented. But we're talking about, Tony, we're talking about the arguably best basketball player on the planet – didn't have a goal at his house for a month. Incredible. <laughs> so to me, to me, that makes it all the more interesting across the board if the NBA is able to have a postseason. Yeah, I'm kind of here for the chaos. I'm kind of here for the let's see something different that we've never seen before. It makes it must watch. You know, baseball, we all love baseball, but I think anybody could, would tell you, except for maybe the players, that 162 games is more than plenty. We would all be satisfied as fans with 80 and then a playoffs. Yeah. See what the NFL does, but – but I'm kind of here for the chaos as well. Me too. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with it. This is what it is. Um, we're going to have so much. I mean, if it does come to fruition, if all this happens, we're going to have so much jumbled up in a matter mm-hmm. of four and five months. I mean, there's just no way around it. But listen, I, I think we've all we've all sat around and waited. Um, I, just as long as these measures are deemed safe, I yeah. am all for it. And – for one, I'd be counting the seconds until something like that. So I give you a great example. I mean, I, I don't watch NASCAR very much, but I'll be damned if I'm not going to be right in front of the television on Sunday watching that initial race without fans in Darlington because I'm just kind of curious on how it's going to look without fans. Uh-huh. That uh, that crank it up segment, Blake T might blow the speakers out of your house. <laughs> I, you know what's funny about this too? We I, I saw one half of a game. In the Big East, right before everything came down and everything ended, it was Creighton, yep. and it was Saint Creighton and Saint John's, I believe, is who it was. It was the yep. first half of their game of the Big East tournament on that Friday, and I don't know if Fox was piping in sound or crowd noise or what, but they, I mean, in NBA arenas or in this case, the college arena. This is Madison Square Garden. They had the lights turned down so low, really, all you could see were the first two rows, and the first two rows had like essential people there. 
And to me, it wasn't that much different. It just wasn't. We'll see mm-hmm. how a NASCAR race looks at Darlington, but I'm sure they're trying to come up with ways and measures. And just by the the uh, the way that you know you've taken off with your pools and doing the the e the uh, eye racing and all that stuff. I mean, the interest we've seen there just for like video game, upper echelon video game racing, uh, there's going to be some interest there. I can't wait to see the numbers on Monday for this NASCAR race. Yeah, and 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 hopefully those continue. I mean, it was something for me to just put something together to see if there was interest, and there was. And then with NASCAR having now, what, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, they're going to get some ratings. You know this. I've always been an advocate of running IndyCar on a Wednesday night. Let's see if I mean NASCAR is probably looking at this as yeah we're going to lose some tracks we're going to lose some attendance but damn if we can't go out and gain some new watchers and followers because this is on Fox on a Wednesday night and there's nothing else to watch on TV it's live action and and Darlington's not a bad race either so um, I commend NASCAR for getting back at it I think IndyCar has kind of fallen in step uh, w- with what they're going to do coming up at Texas uh, but yeah it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks to see. You know, if this kind of kind of pushes off and gets things going, opens up the gates for other sports to say, all right, we can do this even if it's without fans. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. Now, I don't know. You'd know better than I would. Does NASCAR, the, the tracks in which they're racing, does NASCAR own them for the most part? NASCAR yeah, is- and and I, I think what they're going to do is, I think uh, Chicagoland lost a race. I want to say maybe Richmond. Right. I, I can't remember the exact – uh, tracks that lost races but you know there's going to be some exchanging of money of hand and and like i said you know what i would rather watch this nascar race on sunday and just have my screen plastered with sponsors than not to have it at all uh, of, of any sort like uh, if if these sponsors need to get their money and you want to run a ticker on the bottom that has every sponsor that they need on there i'm okay with that like it is what it is i just don't want to see hey we're going green and then six laps later we go to we go to commercial for for seven minutes, we come back four minutes of racing and go back to commercial. So I hope it's just not a, a big ass money buy where it's ad after ad after ad and, and it's constant. Well, I mean, for NASCAR, I mean, their, their tev- television package is so mammoth. I mean, that's why mm-hmm. it is smart for them to go back as quickly as they can without fans because really it's not the, the fans in the stands, you know, it's not their major deal. The television revenue is their major deal. So you probably will mm-hmm. see a lot of that coming up Sunday. Well, I appreciate your time. We'll, we'll we'll keep going here. This morning, I was at Manley's Irish Mutt, and and obviously a lot of good memories. I love Mike Manley. From the I love Mike Manley. Uh, a lot of good memories come up, and I, I knew we'd get into some stories. I had some people uh, send me some stories they wanted to hear about. Um, when I think of Manley's Irish Mutt, I think of a a trip to Cincinnati that we yeah. took. You had to come back early um, because you were interviewing Peyton Manning. I had to leave people. Uh, in Cincinnati because they got a little too crazy. Um, come up with some – the roast is obviously going to come to mind, I'm sure, which I have no problem talking about it now. It doesn't bother me. Uh, that was a hell of a night. But, but, but what are some good stories when you look back on our time uh, over the last eight years um, that, that come to mind, whether it's hilarious or embarrassing for me or embarrassing for whoever? Um, I'm here for him. I think we're all well, here for him. Well, I was. Um, this is going to be two years ago in November, and I had to get up at about seven because Laney had a game on the north side um, that morning on a Saturday morning, and I um, I get 
my phone rings at three thirty, and I didn't recognize three <laughs> thirty in the morning. I didn't recognize the number. Um, so I, I, I'm always worried. Uh, we both, Christy and, and and I both have single moms, older moms live alone. So I'm always worried about it. So I answer it and it is a local, it was a local <laughs> television reporter who is irate with you because apparently, um, this reporter was with friends and you were with friends and met up on a dance floor and you danced together and then I don't know what happened after that, but you you apparently went to Twitter and said something about this particular reporter. So instead of going to Twitter and countering you, this reporter called me at three thirty in the morning, drunk off said reporter's ass, and just ripped me up and down, <laughs> ripped me up and down. And I I've known this reporter for a long time, and this reporter and I are friends still. And we're friends then, but ripped me up and down. And I said, reporter, uh, I'm not <laughs> Tony's dad here, okay? I'm not Tony's dad, um, reporter, please. I, I got to get up here in like three and a half hours. This is okay, reporter, if I go back to bed. Uh, reporter was um, reporter was so drunk. <laughs> reporter, I'm surprised reporter remembered or even saw anything that you had had tweeted and that wasn't even two years ago man i mean that was not yeah. even well, two years ago but this was this we, was local reporter mad at you because um i don't know somebody <laughs> blew off somebody and then somebody got loose in social media and then i i, I think that uh, this reporter thought it was smart to go ahead and call me at three thirty in the morning yeah well, I've definitely learned that uh, drinking and Twitter never mix, oh, no matter what it's the situation never, is. Never, ever a good idea. Now, some I can't tell. I mean, there was one on Facebook, you're at a Pacer game, you know, that one I can't tell. Um, <laughs> <huh. laughs> um, yeah, you know, I always like to think about the, the ride to the Reds, which is always great. At the time, uh, one of the dudes on the way back took a huge dump in the back. Remember that? And couldn't help. Couldn't yeah. Dunk up the butt. <laughs> Uh, the Manning thing was good because I had to have actually, you know, remember Eric Wannenberg and Molly had to actually, no, Wannenberg drove all the way to Cincinnati to get me, to bring me back in time yeah. to interview Peyton Manning, um, which was pretty awesome. Uh, the time you guys in Cincinnati got on TV, you got on TV on the Reds postgame show, but, you know, we went there and then they put a, a camera on all of us and, like, talked about us and Tucker Barnhart <laughs> hit a home run in a game we were over there, if you remember, our friend Tucker. And yep. we had uh, we had fun doing that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's mostly – I think it's mostly hearing from uh, so your, some of your he-in and she-in stories after hours <laughs> that I'm not privy to because I didn't go out at all. And uh, I was always – I always uh, – I always got the phone call for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> what – do you remember, um, this was probably five or six years ago, I know you remember, um, there were, we, we ran this contest where you could play two-on-two two against uh, me and you and the two winners, and we're in the basement of Emmis, and I don't know if legs got tied or just, you know, the athletic ability of said winner uh, just wasn't there, but I literally thought we killed a guy because he tripped over himself and went face and neck first into a wall and was 
pretty much laid out there. For yeah, a I thought he had a heart attack. I thought he just, I thought his legs crumpled and he had a heart attack. But luckily, he was, he was still alive because that would have sucked having a heart attack in the basement with a winner of two on two. But yeah, that was, that was a hell of a time right there. But I mean, all the, all the bar gigs, uh, all the bullseye, all the bullseye shows. Um, uh, that time you took Blake out. And he met Noah Gregson. I know that that's something that's really close too. And then, you know, later on that summer, Blake ended up coming in, and and I let him interview Noah Gregson, who was his favorite driver. And and Noah Gregson remembered that. All that stuff was that's that's the stuff that really stands out to me more than anything else. I mean, yeah, Blake loved um, Blake loved going out to the truck. Still loves going out to the track, and you know that race with Noah Gregson. He uh, he loved that. So no nah, man, there's there's a lot to stand out. I mean, certainly more than the he and the Sheehan and the the uh, phone calls I get the next day um, to ask about it. But yeah, the 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 news reporter story was pro- and that's not even that old. I mean, hell, that's just like a year and a half ago, which is amazing, right there. And it's oh, looks like we lost him. And uh, well, we know how good he is with technology. So if we we'll see if we can't get our good friend JMV back on here. You there? I'm back. Yeah, what happened? I, I have no clue. <laughs> you were just going, "Hello, where are you? Are you there?" And then I said, "Well, we know how John is with technology, so we're going to have to <laughs> redial him up." I just, yeah, I just disappeared. I just disappeared. So I was um, the story I was telling you. Yeah, but I mean that was a dynamic that we had. Like I would do, I would go out and do my thing or whatever, and we would just it was good to talk about because your target market being you know, 25, 54 male, you're either single going out and having a good time looking for chicks like I was, or, you know, you were going home and being a family man like you did almost yeah. every weekend. Yeah. I mean, listen, I would have been the same way. Actually, I was the same way in my twenties. I mean, I was, I just, I hadn't got to that point, but you know, when, in my twenties, whenever I was your age, when you were doing this, I mean, hell, I was doing like changing tires and screwing around and living at home and then living it up and, you know, I really didn't start, you know, serious radio jobs uh, basically until I was, I mean, I had radio jobs and they were serious, but, you know, not really serious until I was 30. So I would have yeah. been the same, the same damn thing. And, you know, plus technology wasn't the way that it is now or, or yeah. some, if I'd have had technology, I'd have been completely screwed. I probably still would be in prison today. <laughs> technology. So, um, I'm, you know, that, it was a good time for me. Um, not to be a complete horse's ass all the time. And I would, I would have been doing the same, same thing though. There's no doubt. Well, and you know, and what, what, what afternoon drive radio is, is, you know, a lot of sports information, giving off opinion, but what I learned, especially when I left or I would go out and be in the pacer game was, you know, you more so than me, but I had a little bit to do with it was the fact that we're part of these people's lives. Like we become normalcy for them knowing that, okay, you know, I trust this person. I know what he's saying. He's funny. He's entertaining. I mean, as much as media as we are, or, you know, and you are, it's, it's, it's an entertainment factor of, and there's that level of trust, which obviously leads to advertisers and, oh, I trust, I trust JMV. I'm going to go to Andy Moore and get my, my, my yeah. next car, you know, just, just kind of stuff like that. And I really realized that probably more so at the end of my tenure, you know, when I was gone, just, you know, I, I guess, I mean, I realize it a little bit. I don't know how much you realize it. I'm sure you do, but you won't. You know, we know how humble you can be. It's just how much of a daily effect, like, you have on people's lives that tune in and expect 
whether it's a temporary getaway from a, from a crappy day, whether it's something to make you laugh or, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that place down in Bloomington. I remember that song. I remember that game from, you know, I remember Deion Sanders running into the crowd uh, at Victory Field back in, what, 1991. Just stuff like that where, you know, and that really registers with people. And you don't feel like you're getting talked down to every day. You're allowed to, to voice your opinion. It's, a, it's an open playing field for everybody. And there's that level of comfort, which I think you do a lot better than most of the radio stations and the radio shows that I've listened to, not only in Indy, but 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 nationally as well. Well, I mean, and that's that's part of me. I mean, I just always have tried to be, you know, just one of the guys. I mean, yeah, you know, me, I I um, I want to have friends. I want to have a lot of friends. But you also know me as, you know, if if you're a dick to me, then it's mm-hmm. gonna be tough to ever come back. That's just kind of how that I'm built. And I, I kind of put that to to what I do on a daily basis. I mean, people to me don't want to call a show um, if or listen to a show if it is going to bring them down or if you've had an eight hour day and it's just been incredibly crappy and you know now I'm going to turn this on and listen to this guy piss and moan for three hours I don't think anybody wants that and I I just I, I try to do it differently than some others i try to be more like those that are listening than feeling above those that are listening and i've always kind of i've always kind of acted that way now again it's not like that that what i do there's not you know a a great deal of magic in anything what i do i just um i just try to be me you know i try to be me Mm -hmm. uh because i'm assuming everybody out there is pretty much them and I've been around here forever, and I know I pretty much know how most have grown up, what they've been, you know, and it just all is relatable. It is all connectable to those that you are uh, talking to, and I try to talk to, and not so much at. So it's it's uh, a little bit of a difference. I mean, listen, some you know want to hear, you know, somebody scream at somebody and talk down to somebody and be a dick or whatever. Um, that's just not how I, I'm going to operate. Now I can be provoked. Don't get me wrong. It, mm-hmm. it's easy triggered. Provoke. Triggered. Yeah, triggered. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's, the, that's the buzz term today. Triggered. I mean, yeah. I mean, I I can certainly I'll defend my point, but not not to the point where I'm going to demean or belittle. That's just that's just not me. So you know, it's it's worked. And, it's worked for the better part of 16 years. So it's it's tough not to say that. I shouldn't be doing it that way. And the two takeaways from that too is, is one, you're very good at when somebody rips you or, I mean, you took the whole JMV sucks mantra and kind of ran with it. And you also look at when you have guests on whether, and, and it doesn't even have to really be a guest. It could just be somebody calling in. It's such a laid back, relaxed, comfortable setting that it makes for much better conversation. And, and, and you get stories out of people that you may not, you know, have gotten had they not felt so comfortable um, and, and and felt so related to you. I mean, I remember Bill Walton, who was probably high as hell anyway, you know, telling some stories that I don't think he would tell elsewhere. And, and I think you get that a lot with your show, um, especially what was intriguing was was guys who had never been on your show before within a minute always seemed like, hey, I've been doing this for years with this guy. I've known him. You know, it was a feeling of I feel comfortable and I'm more now willing to open up because I feel comfortable talking to this person. And, 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 and this happened to me a lot in just conversations with you. You forget that there's thousands of people listening around the city and around the world 
when it's just you and me sitting in a studio kind of bullshitting back and forth. Yeah, I um, I just want to have a good time, man. You know, I do. I, I, I mean, we all, I do, you do, everybody out there has to go through a tremendous amount of crap daily, weekly. And I just, I want to have a, I want to have a good time. This is kind of how, how I have a good time. I have a good time um, by being relatable. Uh, finding stuff that might relate to others. I mean, listen, there's times that I've struggled and you helped me out in that capacity because you were younger and you hit, you know, we had a generation gap, you know, between us, but I mean, you could relate to, you know, the younger generation in ways in which I couldn't. So we had, we had that connection there, but I, I just, I'm out for a good time. I think mostly everybody is out for a good time and that's how I approach it. I mean, if I go in there and Oh, what was me? And, I had a bad day, so that's going to translate into how I'm going to talk to people for three hours. I mean, nobody wants to hear that crap. So I just I want to have a good time. I want to feel like I've had a good time. I want to do it professionally. I want to pass along information, and I want to have opinions, and I want to do all of that. But first and foremost, I want everybody to have a good time, and that's kind of always how I've, I've approached this entire gig. And I'm assuming until I no longer have it, that's well, how I'll continue to do it. And, and there were times where, you know, I mean, I, there was a lot of times towards my, the end of my tenure. But, you know, over the years, too, where I always wanted to just throw gas on the fire and, and, and make things, you know, just blow everything up behind me. And then your approach to a lot of things is, no, just calm down, own what you did if you made a mistake and just move forward. So, so that was something that I, that I really learned from you as far as, you know what, if somebody says, you know, they don't like you or they disagree with you like that's okay but there's one they're still listening and two that's going to happen more and more and if you let it get to you um it's just going to eat you up inside and you certainly you know taught me that and we see it all the time because you know i mean like like, like i always go back to you know just because somebody disagrees with you like you said it's not a reason to get to, to be shouted at on the air you just you, you kind of see that argument from their side and if you agree you agree if not then you respectfully disagree and you move on, which I think kind of makes you, you. Yeah. It's just, um, it, it's just a way that I kind of got to go about it. So it's just, I mean, to me, it's not life or death, whether or not somebody, you know, agrees or disagrees that Philip Rivers is, is, or isn't the answer next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I just try to explain to folks why, why the Colts believe he's the answer um, why I needed to be talked into him being the answer, and you know, basically all the angles in which all the paths in which this could take. I mean, you, uh, look, use Philip Rivers as an example. I mean, I'm not sold on Philip Rivers by any stretch, but I'm certainly more intrigued and interested, and I guess to a degree more sold on him than I would be Jacoby Brissett, having to see what you witnessed and what we have seen last year and what we saw even two years prior to. So, I mean, and, and some people disagree with that, but I just, that's okay. That's okay. It will continue to give me a reason to add to my argument, which, you know, is okay. Go with it right now. See what happens. Give him $25 million. And if he's not any good, I'm sure we'll rip it. But there's, you know, you're going to move on. You're not going to be tied to him for the foreseeable future. And if it does work, you're going to be able to get him back more than likely the year after that. And then everybody around here is excited because you're making postseason appearances again. I mean, again, we're not talking about life and death stuff here. Um, so there's really no reason to start yelling at somebody because they don't necessarily agree 
with what you have to say. I, I tell you what, when it's pointed and when people do get a little bit irritable at times, it can be good. But, man, if it's the entire thing and, hey, you know what, you're a dumbass because you called or you don't know what you're talking about, I mean, that just that wears thin. And that's just not me. I mean, I could fake ass and I could do it, but I just always kind of wanted to be me. And that's how this show has gone since 2004 when I started it. And that's probably how it's going to end, brother. Well, I'd ask you if you binge watch anything, but we know that you haven't besides probably The Last Dance. Um, are we going to see a lot more Pacers in this one upcoming, the final one, as, as we get down the stretch to the 98 season? Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, because I, I think that what Jordan talks about, how this this Pacer series was the one he had the most questions about. And, you know, when I think back about that in, in 98, I mean, I, I think Reggie Miller's right in talking about it. I mean, I, I thought that they were the better team. The Pacers were the better team. They just didn't have Michael Jordan. Um, and I think we mm-hmm. all thought at the time Michael Jordan just got a crap load of calls, which I'm sure that he did. Um, but, you know, all that. A part of Michael Jordan's greatness that we're observing right now also for Pacer fans, even though they didn't make an NBA Finals until 2000 or until after Jordan stepped away, that was all about, you know, the recognition of finally getting greatness or high level of play from the Pacers because prior to – you know, Byron Scott's three against Orlando and what the 94 postseason in that first round, there's been, there was little to nothing to celebrate. I mean, absolutely nothing to celebrate. And at that point in time, it kind of really took off. And, you know, this, this was the golden era for Pacer fans too, that basically culminated with the 2000 finals appearance, uh, even though they're celebrating Jordan and the Bulls and the last dance. No, those were also really, really, really good times for Pacer fans. Some of the first they'd had since the ABA days with Slick Leonard. And you think about the probably the, the three best teams the Pacers have had lost to Jordan, lost to Kobe and Shaq, and then ended up losing to LeBron. So, I mean, maybe wrong place, wrong time, but you could certainly say that. I've, I've got a buddy that I work with now who um, he'll laugh and probably be mad if he hears this, but I don't really care. Uh, he'll be fine. He's married to Larry's daughter, Larry Bird's daughter. And some of the stories that he shared that I won't share on his podcast are hilarious. So we'll have to sit down, uh, have a nice cold Budweiser, and uh, I'll tell you some uh, some funny stuff. And, and, and my goal is just to have him possibly sit down with a microphone or a phone and just record him saying that he enjoys uh, shooting, <laughs> passing, and stuff like There's that. There's no way he'll remember saying that, but, man, he did. I can't believe there's Mm-mm. no there's no tape for anything. We've – I, I, I searched end over end, and I found some good Larry drops, but I never found that quote. That 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 had to be high school I think, Larry. I think it was Indiana. I thought it was Indiana State Larry, but he said, yeah, he did say at the mm-hmm. end of that, stuff I get. It was all like it was all one word, <laughs> stuff I get. So it so, Larry Bird so is an good. absolute living you know, legend. There's still that one out there. Did we ever find the one about they're going to put um, computer chips in their asses? Play that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we ever found that one, but but there was there was some good oh, stuff. Man, he was great. I always said this about Larry Bird because where I grew up, pretty much near where he came out of Springs Valley, and I didn't appreciate Larry Bird as much as I should because we got so much of Larry Bird um, from Indiana State and to Boston. You, you got so much of it 
you know, you always kind of, I wanted to be a little bit different. I was more of a Dr. J fan growing up and I wanted to be a Pacer fan, but they were so awful to watch most of the time. Um, I was a Dr. J fan and, and probably didn't, didn't give Larry Bird enough respect at the time as I should have. And now looking back on that, you know, what both he and Magic, but certainly Bird did what he accomplished is amazing. I mean, it is absolutely mm. amazing. And people always say, well, you know, these guys are so much bigger and stronger and faster today. And, you know, he couldn't compete. Oh, yeah, he could. I mean, that guy, that guy could play. It was always, it was just a, an awkward beauty. I mean, it, it always looked kind of awkward when he did some things, but it was absolutely incredible. And I wish I would have uh, paid I guess I paid enough attention, but appreciated more mm-hmm. at the time when it was happening um, as I do right now. Well, we could talk all night about, about stories of, of, of everything from breaking news to uh, I remember I talked about it earlier, tracking a flight of Jim Ursay's yeah. to Houston to talk to John Gruden after he picked up Peyton Manning in Denver. Um, our final four trip. I mean, there was just, there's so much stuff that we could talk about, but I'll let you get back to your family. I appreciate your time. We'll definitely do this again, um, especially if things start to ramp up with hopefully in August we'll run the Indianapolis yep. 500. And, uh, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of good that I think is going to come out of all of this. It's just about staying positive and uh, keeping a level of normalcy. And just, I know that you yeah, do it every just, day uh, I tell you uh, what, between three and six. Anytime, next time you have me on, we'll talk about that time. The first time I ever met Indiana State coach Greg Lansing, I almost puked on him on the plane. Or, or when we, uh, or when we sat courtside and watched Greg Marshall just berate his entire yeah. coaching staff, and I was, and I got taken over to the Ballyhoo for two shots and a slice of pizza beforehand, and was feeling yeah, it by about five thirty. All that and more. I call anytime, man. You know that. Uh, yep, I appreciate I'll it. Uh, all right, take care. All right, again, big thanks to JMV. What a great conversation. We could go all night. Uh, we'll definitely get him on again. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a wild year. Uh, I definitely miss being on with him every day. We had so much fun. Um, I learned a lot from him, and hopefully one of these days I'll get another chance in radio uh, and be able to put a lot of the skills that I learned from him into effect, and it'll be a, an, an entertaining show. I always wanted to take over for Bob Lovell and then eventually JMV, which you know I would still love to do. Um, the phone's always open, but I guess you just never know. We'll see. But appreciate JMV coming on. Always loved our time there. All right. We'll have a little NASCAR this weekend. Looking forward to that. I'll be putting out some of my picks on Twitter. TD Indy24 is my Instagram. Tony D Indy is my Twitter. So check that out. Have a great week. Stay safe. Stay confident. Stay positive. Big thanks to Flooring is Forever. Appreciate everybody uh, for tuning in.